I'm Naomi Sneakers, and welcome to the Firecracker Department. I'm an actor, comedian, improviser, and then one of the plates I spin is creating, producing, and hosting the Firecracker Department. And I am so thrilled that you could join us, because it's just way better with you here. If you're new to the Firecracker Department, welcome! I'm so glad you made it! This podcast, I interview dynamic, interesting, inspiring women in the entertainment industry, and we talk about their victories, their challenges, the things that they learned along the way, and we do it usually without our shoes on. So that's the way we roll. Pretty sassy. Uh, I just love it. I started this because I wanted to get to know some of the people in my community that I admired, and it's just turned into this really cool like a master class almost. Whenever I speak to these women, I always come away just so jazzed about something that we've talked about. And I think you'll find the same thing too. So thank you so much. What are you guys working on out there? What are you what are you doing? Are you creating? Are you writing? Are you drawing? Are you watching Netflix? Are you Netflixing? Yeah, that's a word. Uh, if you're doing the latter, if you're sort of in a Netflix zone, well, give it a shot. Try that thing that you thought you should do. Pick up a piece of paper and a pen and start writing. And if you're doing the thing that you're already creating, write on! Spread some of that energy around and uh, empower other people. Firecracker Department is definitely about supporting and empowering people to get creating. Because there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I wish I did that thing, or I, oh, I, I, I can't start the thing. And then there's a lot of people that are doing the things. So let's work together so that we can take action with our creative passions. There are some really, really cool people in this community, the Firecracker Department community. Recently, we were getting so many people pieces of art from folks that I was like, I'm going to just start a virtual art gallery. So now if you go to our Instagram account, firecrackerdept, you can have a look at all these cool art. Uh, hashtag firecracker art department. Contribute. Throw some of your art up there. I'd love to see what you're working on. I'd love to see what you're creating, whether it's online, whether it's a picture, whether it's music. Bring it on. I love it. Here's what I was thinking about before I stepped into my studio. It's a closet. It's not a studio. And uh, put on my headphones and their earbuds. I don't have headphones. And I was thinking, what, what do I want to talk about? And this is what I thought. Because the Firecracker Department, we've just launched the Los Angeles chapter of the Firecracker Department. And my goal is to have a chapter or a squad in every big city. But here's the thing. When you're surrounded by amazing people with amazing ideas, it's so uplifting and you sort of have the freedom to start dreaming bigger. Do you know what I mean? Like when you're by yourself, I mean, we're never going to do anything just by yourself. But if I'm doing my, something by myself, I'm drawing, I'm writing, I'm doing something in my own bubble. It's one thing. But then as soon as you have somebody that's like a cheerleader for you or like a yes, you can kind of person, then suddenly your mini projects turn into big projects and your little dreams turn into big dreams. And that's exactly what's happening with the firecracker department. It's so exciting. There's a group of people in Toronto and there's a group of people in Los Angeles now. And last night when we got together... I mean, honestly, it's good that it's called Firecracker Department because sparks flew with the ideas and dreams and, you know, people seizing what they really want to do and their passions. And I just love it. So here's a shout out to all the people. 
<laughs> Just to be super general. Here's a shout out to all the people in the world that are supporting, that are supporting creativity and saying yes, you can to people or going and buying art or seeing plays or listening to podcasts and then reviewing on iTunes. Hint, hint. Because all that stuff really helps. We don't do any of this by ourselves. You can create in a little place, but then eventually you have to put that creative project out into the world. So thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Thanks for sharing. It really does mean a lot to us. You know, we talk a lot about like, hey, give us a retweet, give us a, a comment. But it really does make you feel like your community's growing. And with a firecracker department, that could only mean that we're gonna get more and more powerful and then we're gonna shine so bright that you won't see the other crappy things as much or you'll be able to get through it you know it's like uh, the Carrie Fisher quote of um, turn your broken heart into art right so all the crappy stuff let's turn it into art and have some fun doing it too I am so excited with this interview that's coming up moments away uh, I'm gonna be talking to Jackie Harris now, you will know Jackie in Canada from Second City Days, which is where I first saw her and fell in love with her because she was one of those bold, oh, she's just a bold improviser, comedian. She's just a bold woman. But then I remember seeing her on the stage and it was in the old fire hall, which was the first space that Second City was in Toronto. And uh, I remember just watching her going, holy crap, she's just fearless. She would just stand on stage and do these like really wild characters and not ever flinch it. She just looked so confident and it was so, um, oh man, yeah, I fell for. Uh, you'll know her in the rest of the world and in Canada as well from things like, uh, she's the voice of Macy Lightfoot and she's on As Told by Ginger. Uh, she's married to a guy named Paul Greenberg, more on that later, and she produces his podcast called Don't Say with Paul and Dave, Dave Foley, which is super funny and if you haven't checked out that podcast, finish listening to this one, and then go hear it, because it's very funny as well. Don't say with Paul and Dave. So Jackie is just all that in a bag of chips, and I met her through, hmm, I think I met her through Deb McGrath, and um, just instantly just like a really cool lady, <laughs> like really authentic and really friendly, and one of those people that make you feel like you've known them forever, even if you've known them for like a bread basket length of time. Uh, but so I went over to her home and um, I loved it. It was so fun. I went over to her house and she invited me in. Now, work through this because the sound is a bit tricky because we decided to eat while we um, chatted, which is sort of my favorite thing in the world. But it was a delicious salad. And uh, work through the sound because there's a great Paul McCartney story coming up at the end and you're going to want to hear that. I just love Jackie Harris so much and I think she's just one of the funniest people I've ever met. And her husband's not so shabby himself. What I loved about these two, because you'll listen to this podcast and then at a certain point, Paul comes home and I was like, oh, he's the first mail on our firecracker department podcast he's so delightful and watching these two jokers joke back and forth is so fantastic that i was like i gotta keep it it's gonna make this podcast super long but i don't care they're so fantastic together um you kind of fall in love with them and now i married my joker matt barham um we were at second city together and now we have our own podcast called barham and sneak us Everyone's got a podcast. Uh, but so watching these two 
talk about like their days of um, doing shows at the Largo here in Los Angeles and working together. It's so it's so beautiful. There's really nothing better than watching two people who love each other also laughing at each other. Not like at like ha ha, but like ha ha. You know the difference? When you're really enjoying the other person. So really, I could hang out with these two people forever and and I'm going to. Hear that? I'm going to hang out with you two, whether you like it or not. Paul Greenberg is hilarious. And just like their banter and the way they compliment each other and listen to each other and then like raise each other up. You know, like there's some comedians that, you know, it's all about them. They sort of sit back and go, okay, it's a one person show. I'm just going to enjoy you. And then there's other comedians like Jackie and Paul and they're like inclusive. So the joke becomes everybody's joke. And it's just... Ah, it's the best. Okay, I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I enjoyed recording it. I know you will. Here it is, Jackie Harris. Oh, hi! (laughs) I went around the wrong door. So yeah, so I was Second City. My group was like, because I was there like the beginning of the nineties. I you, I saw you on stage because I, I would go Scott. there. That's who. Okay, so I know I don't know Judy Scott well, but I know with Kathy Greenwood and Janet. Ed Sahaley. No, oh she, I know Janet, Janet came after. Uh, my first cast was Kathy, Ed, Jonathan, Paula Solomon, me, and Andrew. Curry. Oh my gosh. Killer cast. It was a good cast. So I used to come and watch you guys, and I actually saw the night that Neil Patrick Harris came. That's crazy. Yes. Because he might have come a couple times, right? But I remember going, what kind of world is this? Yeah, yeah. He came and we invited him to the set, and then we did possibly the best sketch ever. Tell me. And we couldn't recreate it. Oh, in the improv set? In the improv. And we we tried and we tried and we tried. The thing was, we did a sketch. It was Janet Vandegraaff. Neil played a guy who's a traveler and he, he misses his flight and he goes to the airport and has to stay at an airport hotel and takes, I don't know how he ends up taking drugs. He takes a hallucinogenic drug. Okay. And he gets a prostitute. Okay. And I think that's what it was. And he gets a hot prostitute. He gets Janet. Right. And Janet's all like, you know, Janet at her most, she's amazing. Yeah. So like, oh, you know. Hi, sweetheart. You know, and then he starts hallucinating, and then we used to have. I had my favorite, favorite. You know, with the flip door. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And she'd lean against the door, all sexy, and then the door would flip, and I'd be on the other side. And so she was in a sexy red dress, and I come on this red coat and glasses and be horrific. Right. Oh, that's a great idea. So good. Yeah. And then we kept trying to do it and do it, and the magic was gone from the night. And it wasn't, you know, Andy Curry was hilarious. It was just like one of those things that you know that. But it happens, you know, as too when you're putting up a show and you kill and then you just can't get it back. What? Yeah. No, I remember that entire cast because you were all rock stars to me. I was at theater school at Ryerson. And I would come. How to Ryerson? My husband. Oh, I didn't know that. He was in the uh, radio. Oh, okay. Whatever that was. Yeah. So we were in the, like, the shack, the theater school shack across the street. (laughs) Um, But, uh, and I would go every night because my friend was taking, Linda Valentine was taking classes with Wendy. Yes. And um, I didn't get in. 
Right. So I was like, well, I'm still going to go see the show because I'm such a fan. Into the classes or into the... I think at that time it was like a master Oh, yeah, yeah. You would do something. classes and then there'd be the master class. Yeah. And oh, then, I didn't think then there'd be the touring company. Yes. And when I started, there was still London. Yes, right. And London was not around. That's when I was in the master class and then the touring, and then the touring company and then... Before I got into the touring company, like Chris and Sherry and Laurie Nassau, a bunch of people went to London. Right, 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 right. And then London closed. So then you would go touring company main stage. I used to go every night and just, you were my rock stars. I would just be in awe. Like, I just remember watching you and late, years, years later, being friends with Deb and Colin. Yeah. And they'd yeah. be like, oh, Jackie. I'm like, oh, my God. She's like, mm. an, you're like a rock star in my vision. Because, like, you would do characters... Again, like, it was, like, these... Comedy gave, like, women the permission to be bold. Yes. And so you would do characters, like, Kathy, Janet, you... With all these characters, I'm like, fuck, those are awesome. Like filter. No filter. Just bold and... No ego. Brave and... That was the thing. Yeah. have an ego in comedy. No. I mean, we do, but you're... Yes. It can't be on... It can't be on the stage. It can't be... The minute you have ego or think... Out that think that there's a world outside of that moment, then it dies. Yeah. Always, you know. And in comedy, I mean, my heroes, you know, Carol Burnett, you know, Gilda Radner, Lorraine Newman, you know, they did not ever think about what they look like or if something was wrong or inappropriate. Right. I remember when Judy Scott said, um, you know, the old expression of, you know, you saw, you, what was that? The thing about being gay, you suck, you suck one cock and you're gay, you know that thing? She got on stage one night and she, oh, right, yes. you suck one vagina and you're a lesbian. And the audience just was like, <gasps> Toronto. Right. So good. But now, did, did you, like, how did you put that ego aside? Because your characters were so confident. I just didn't have one. I you just didn't have. have one. I was fearless. Yeah. It was before I... You know, I was very new because I had always been a dramatic sort of theater. You know, theater. Right. We did like every like weird. If there was a weird play that no one went to in yeah. Toronto, because I only lived there. I lived. I'm from Montreal. Yeah. And then I moved to New York. And right. That's where I lived, and that's where I went to acting school. Did you go to? Um, I didn't do real theater school. Oh, I was there like classes and stuff like classes that. Classes and three jobs. Right. You know, and bad plays and workshops. How long were you in New York for? Oh, two years. Yeah. Two, three years. Right. Yeah. And then what brought you back to And then I Canada? had to leave because I, you know, was visiting too much. Right, right. And, uh, and then I was like, well, where do I go? Because I'm from Montreal, but I'm an Anglophone and I want to be where work is. And at the time... It was Toronto. Yeah. And I'd never been. And so you just set up shop. My family had moved to Ottawa, so I went to Ottawa, waitress for two months to make money, and then had a girl tell me, she was at Sheridan in Toronto. Right. And said, um, you can go stay with me in Toronto. And, you know, it was Oakville. Right. (laughs) That was funny. And then so I bartended and did really bad plays and then uh, took classes at Second City. And was Second City always in your sight? It, wa- it was. It um, was. But it was... Um, 
it was so intimidating yeah. to be the idea of it. Yeah. You know? Was it in your sight because of SCTV? No, not at all. I'd never seen SCTV. Oh, wow. Because it was not, it was not a Montreal show. Right. That was not something we watched. So I didn't even know what SCTV was. Right. Um, but it was... It, but then I started... I was doing classes. I had a girls' comedy troupe for five minutes. And then... What were you called? We were called June, Jean, Marcy, and Kay. Okay. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then, um, you know, taking more intense classes. And then I, uh, you know, you, the way it would work is the same as what you were saying. You would do these classes and then you would audition. And I would audition, audition, and never get in. Ever. Yeah. You know. And Wait, to <laughs> Second City? Second audition? City. Oh, God. Like, How many times? Oh, well, uh, on the fifth time. No. On the fifth time, they called me Ennio, who used to run... I remember meeting him. Company. Yeah. And NEO said, um, you know, they want you to come in. And it was always like, they, they want you to come in. as so, though you know, that feeling of like, you're special. But I knew I wasn't because I kept not getting hired. <laughs> and then I got off the phone. I was like, you know, I, I don't, I live in my basement apartment. I don't think so because I just, uh, I'm busy. And I got off the phone and Paul looked at me and he went, what the fuck? <laughs> what? And I said, well, you know, it's just like I'm never going to get hired. That whole thing of like I'm going to. Ego. Ego. Yeah. Ego. There it was. Right. Off stage. Ego. Plenty. For sure. Plenty. For like sure. Like nightmare. Yes. Off stage. Um, like nightmare. Like I can't handle this. And um, you should call them back. You're a bartender. <laughs> what have you called? You're a bartender. bartender. Yeah. Well, I don't want to give up my bartending life. Or... What? I was like, you know. You could have a real job. And then I went, and that's when I got hired. Wow. And I was um, almost 30. And I remember sitting with Sally Cochran. Yeah. Is still, to this day, like one of my favorite people. Yeah. And she, and she said, so how old are you? And I, for the first time I looked at her, I went, I'm turning 30, like I told the truth. Yeah. And I felt so fucking old. Yeah. I felt like... And then I was like, I felt this first sense of empowerment. Like, I'm turning 30. And she right. great. And then I got a job. Right. And I loved it. And then was in the touring company for a very short time. And then they had a big cast change and went to main stage. Yeah. Which was... And then did you know that you're like, oh, I, this is all I ever want to do at that Absolutely. moment? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I remember going to... Um, I was going to the Montreal Comedy Festival because Paul's... The Vacant Lot had yes. a big show there. And I was, um, and I had, and John Candy was doing something there, and uh, Sally called me. She says, "Oh, I know you're going to the comedy festival, so I just wanted to call you to tell you um, that John Candy's going to be there, and when you when you see him, tell him you know that you're in the main stage." That's how she told me. Oh, oh! I was like, "Oh my God!" Did you see John Candy and tell him? I didn't. I didn't. I think I might have had that same scenario with Eugene Levy, and oh, wow. he did not care. Did you see? <laughs> Although I, I uh, John Candy, I had my great one of my greatest Second City memories is with John Candy. Yeah, because it came at a time that time when you're a week away from opening, and you realize that every sketch you're in, you're the supporting player, you're the straight person mm-hmm. to somebody who's hilarious, and you have nothing in the show. And I was desperately trying to get a hockey scene in. And it was the last night that they were like, you know what, I don't think this scene's happening. And I was really devastated. And yeah. I remember being in the back staircase of the old fire hall in my outfit. 
a beautiful polyester outfit. <laughs> and just silently sobbing. And John Candy walks up with two glasses of scotch on the rocks. And I hadn't even seen that he was there. He saw the set and he said, that's a hockey scene. Every show needs a hockey scene. You're going to get your scene in. And he gave me a scotch and we had a drink. And I was like, and he died like months later. But it was like, like, he was like, I was wow. like, oh my God, it was such a great moment. And we had a toast and we had a laugh and it was such a great thing. Wow. And, he, and the hockey scene got in. I feel like those, like, John Candy moments that everybody has, like, somebody yeah. who, at times where you're standing backstage going, what am I doing? They'll yes. be like, whatever it is, just keep going. Right. And I'll never forget those people in my life because it's yeah. so integral. It is. And, you know, it's like, the thing is, everybody's the same. Everybody came from the same place and did the same thing and had the same highs and lows. And, you know... Some people didn't go to main stage, but they did something yeah. else. Some people didn't go at all or took classes or, you know. But there was something about the system. It's like I've talked to people who are um, um, groundlings. I have a lot of friends who are groundlings. Yeah. And it's also an incredible system. Yeah. But it's very different because it's not, it's like until you have a boss. You know, you have a person right. that says you're in the cast, you're, your scene's going to make it, not, but it, the groundlings, it's more of a, um, it's a co-op. Right. It's like yeah. they work together. So we talked about the politics. There's politics in everything. Oh, yeah, for but sure. But Second City, it was also your timing. You know, I had a teacher who just didn't like me. Right. You know? Yeah. And and it kind of used to tell me. She'd not she'd put me down. She'd say things like, Well, you know, that character is da 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 you know, just really um What do you think her intention was? I don't know. That drives me crazy that kind of like in the counter she's so beloved. Still. Still. So in the like the anti John Candy. Do you know what I mean? Like the people that are pulling you down going what to what benefit? I don't know. There's people that just champion you. Yeah. um, And people that don't. You know? And it's like I don't know what that is. It's very weird. Yeah. Um but I have great teachers. I have great teachers. I mean, there's always something to learn. Frank McNulty. From, oh, yeah. Great. great. Pat McKenna. Yeah. So amazing. Oh, my gosh. Uh, great people. Yeah. You had such great, but, um, like, yeah. like, the Second City can be kind of a boys club. And it was. But you had, like, two folks season like... Two Season K. Two what? Two Season K. Two Season K. Kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still use that? Do I haven't heard that till now, but I like it. Two constant kitchen. Yeah. There was a guy talkie scene. Yeah. It came from like Chicago. It was guys talking. And then the women's scenes were two constant kitchen. I, I was very lucky. I had really great castmates and Yeah, you had like Paul O'Sullivan. Yeah. He was um uh he was great. I'd get on we'd get on stage and we would uh, wouldn't even speak. Yeah. We'd just just look and go and walk forward and do some crit it was like I loved working with him. That's magic. Yeah. He was uh you know, he was pretty intense. But um but he was really talented. Yeah. Really talented. And um yeah, so then I and then Teresa Pavanek was, I think, my understanding okay. of the company. Yes, I think so, too. And yeah. I, and then I was in town for less than a year. After you left? Yeah. We got, I got married summer in 95. Wow. And then Paul had a show on here. And then I went to a commercial. I did a lot of um, commercials in Toronto. Yeah. And um, 
went to an audition and the breakdown said, uh, looking for a Jackie Harris type, and I'm not even a little bit famous, and I wasn't going to get any work. Right, right. And I was like, you can have the Jackie Harris. You can have the and actual I Jackie there, Harris. I said, I'll do it. I can do it. And they were like, no. It was, you know, Canada, bless its heart, um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, it's small in terms of what what you see. So a commercial there that's a national is like a local commercial here, but right. there it's um, huge. Huge. But did you always have like thoughts that you would leave Toronto? Not really. I mean, I, I don't know. I was not a Torontonian, so I didn't have a... It's not like I grew up there. Yeah. And I didn't have this... Like, oh, my, I wasn't leaving my mother. You know, my mom lived in... Uh, my family had moved to Ottawa, so... Which I'd never really lived in. I'd sort of stayed there, you know, a couple of months here and there. But um, I, uh, I never really. Um, I wasn't married to Toronto. Thank you. This but then so when lovely. when LA came up, you know, we were like, you know, came for like pilot season because Paul was working a lot. And, yeah. You know, he tested for like Will and Grace and stuff like that. And we, yeah. We were like, this is kind of fun. And, and then after his show was on here, but not there, he had he did six episodes of the vacant lot. Uh, yeah, two of them were preempted for pop, uh, for you know elections. Okay, and one was just dropped for like a playoff oh. of some kind. So and then that was it. They were done. Remind me who was in the group. It was um, Paul and Rob Graffer and uh, Nick McKinney and Vito yes. Scomi. Right. Yes. Yeah. And they were really like. Funny and dark. And they play the Rivoli. They play the Rivoli yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they were associated with the kids in the hall because Nick and Mark were brothers. Right. Right, right, right. And, uh, and they were all friends. So when, but like after Second City, did you know, like when, how did you leave Second City? Did you kind of go, okay, I've done my time yeah, here, I want to move on? Yeah, like, I put up, I put up three shows and I was working. I was working a lot. I was yeah. doing some films and, um... You know, I went to Europe for like two months and they let me go, which was super nice. Uh, Sally was always my champion. Yeah. She was always great. She was never like, you can't do that. She was always like, it's, it's good for the show. It's good when you're working. Yeah. They liked it. It's true. Know. They wanted you to be, oh, that's the girl from the thing. Or yeah. That's the guy from the... I know that guy. He's yeah. on the da da As opposed to... Right, as opposed to other back. places that are like, Thank you. you know, you, you have to commit to this. That's what, And this understudy thing was so genius because right. you really um, you really got to perform. Yeah. Who did you understudy? Well, I understudied um, Carolyn Taylor. Okay. And, and who did she replace? Uh, she replaced maybe Teresa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. she replaced Teresa Pavlik. Child, I loved her. Oh my god. They're, I'll never uh, forget seeing. You know, recently on Facebook there was this first um, headshot day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Teresa put up her headshot. Uh, and I remember seeing that headshot on the floor of Sally's office because she called me up and she was like, "What do you think?" And she was pointing to the floor. Yeah. And I remember really clearly looking at Teresa's photo and going. What's that one? Who's that? Yeah. Tell me She's about sparkly. Tell me about that one. Yeah. And she went, Oh, I like that one. This one does this, this, and this. And I was like, Oh, and she goes, I'm thinking of her for your understudy. And I went, Oh, I like that. Yeah. Oh, like Sally so cool. would do that. She would bring me in and, you know, yeah. ask opinions and stuff. And I remember looking at her photo. So 
That changed a lot. That doesn't that doesn't happen. No. I don't know. I, I honestly am so removed. I think it's so interesting, you know, Second City's changed so much, but it mm-hmm. shapes us. Like I mm-hmm. like I don't I love that I had that opportunity, but it's shaped my career. It's shaped who I am and what mm-hmm. my skills are and what my goals are. Right. Was that part of your process, like through totally. the shows that you developed? Mm-hmm. And the relationships and Well, I mean mm. The, the amount of improvising you do, you yeah. don't even realize that you're doing it. And then you take it like every... We actually had to change the rules because at that time, that's why we all did so many commercials. Because we go to these commercial auditions where it was like, you know, yeah. hey, Sally, how do you feel about salad? Makes me feel good. That'd be the script. Yeah. And then you're like, and hold on a second. we would go in there and we wouldn't, we would just talk and we'd change it. And I'd go, well, that makes me feel good. Do you think? Uh-huh. And we'd do tags mm-hmm. and little buttons. And then if you didn't get the gig, you'd see someone go, mm-hmm, yeah. And you'd be like, yeah, right. fuck you, you fuck. And then we actually, actor changed the law back then that if you went, if you improvise, they had to pay $50. Do they still have that? No, no. they can't, they can't ask you to improvise. That's mm-hmm. the deal now. They have to just say. That was my law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the Harris law. They uh-huh. made it. No, I went, I went to, yeah. sorry, we had a meeting. Interesting. We sat in a room. Yeah, because you should be paid as writers. That's we called fair. a meeting and we said this is bullshit. But now, like commercial people know that if they hire somebody from Second City or with improv training, mm-hmm. they're also getting a writer. Yeah, here they so. here they completely say and improvise it. Yeah, no yeah. care. Yeah, yeah. So you left Second City, and then within the year you were in. So I left Second City California? because I was getting married and I was working on um, some some stuff that that was just taking me away from Second City too much. So it was like, well, we're gonna. I knew I was getting married. Mm-hmm. And we were gonna go to. LA at some point so I think I left right before I got married maybe okay. at a very second city heavy wedding yeah where did yeah. you have it uh, oh right near <laughs> I had it at uh, La Maquette mm. it was a restaurant right on like um, By the King and Church that was beautiful French it's got a courtyard oh yeah yeah but across the street from that church there's a beautiful yeah. church yeah. right in the park near the old fire hall right yeah that's hilarious yeah. Mm-hmm. it's so consuming yeah. right that time and of life Diane and Sally oh. and Sandy and yeah it was all Second City yeah people Kathy. That's an amazing thing also to mm-hmm. live through Second City and maintain your relationship. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Second City also does a number on relationships too, right? So. It does. Some of, them, some of mine, um, like Deb and Colin, mm-hmm. became, they're still our best friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love those guys. And they're like, our, they, we always joke about them being our um parental role model. Right. No. That's fair. You're probably not alone, though. I would say we kind of looked at them as well. I mean, we've always had this relationship where it's us and then their baby, and then we had our baby, and those two get on very well. Yeah. We're all going to see each other in the summer, too, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah. So that's always our shared, beautiful experience. Mm -hmm. So when you arrived here, (laughs) did you, like, have visions of, like, did you have goals like what were your sort of like big dream goals leaving well it was funny because because i had i left second city and i did the kids in the hall movie and then i moved here Mm -hmm. but i moved here with my husband who was uh working his show was still on here the vacant lot Mm -hmm. and he had his manager and agent and all that stuff and i was not legal right i was legal to be here as his wife 
right. that I was not legal to work. Right. So that I did, I couldn't work for two years. What did you do? I would fly home and I would do like Go Girl right. or Right, 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 right. or right. I did you know uh, commercial directors that would bring me in. Right, but. I would go to Toronto and it was really fun because I was still, you know, and I'd go to the fire hall and it was really, you know, great. And then I would realize I wouldn't make any money because I'd be making Canadian TV money. And, and I'd on be there and I'd be spending and, and then they'd, they'd like, they'd like fly me in, but, but then I, I'd, I'd be there and then I, you know, it's sort of, I did that for a while. And then the thing that I always have said to any of the Canadian in general, and I've had this conversation for many years of that divided loyalty, Mm -hmm. is very hard on you. Like, it's very... I'm sure you, because you're very successful. (laughs) What do you mean the divided loyalty of, like, like, career? Yeah. Of career. Yeah. Of, like, you know, I'm going to go do that job in Canada, but because I'm there, I'm not here. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing... Yeah. I'm not going to Largo and doing the comedy set that's going to get me a TV show here. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And once I started sort of not going to Canada anymore as much, mm-hmm. and to be fair, also in Canada, they didn't give a shit about me anymore. Right. It's like, why are they going to pay to fly me in and put me up when there's so many people still there? Right, right, they used right. To, you know? Right. Uh, so as soon as you made that choice things started picking up here, but two right. years, I mean, you had two years to kill, so but you had to do something. But then two years, I was, I was doing amazing comedy shows with, um, you know, I used to do a night with Marilyn Ricecup, and Largo at the time was music and comedy. And right, so would you do improv, or did you do stand-up? No, I did stand-up, and huh? I did, we did sketches, and we just had so much fun. There was no rules back then. Right. It was still the time of, um... Alternative comedy, mm-hmm. and then did you feel like was that enough for you just to be doing those shows, or were you like, okay, what's next? Like, how it was, was because, your attack? Because I would still like go home and do a commercial, right? Or you know, I would still go home, but just not stay there because I was married, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> my husband, yeah, and then and he was working, and then as soon as I was legal, at, because of doing shows at Largo, I was brought in to do. Um, a sketch show for VH1. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, went in because they saw me at Largo. Right. Right. So I got, you know what I mean? Not was I really fun. It was with Nancy Walls, like Chicago. Great. The Corral, Nancy Walls Corral. And um, Jim Gaffigan and um, Michael Showalter, Michael Ian Black, Jerry Minor, also Second City. Yeah. So and at the time, fun. were you kind of like, what was, what's, what was your sight on? Like, did you go, oh, I want to have my own show. I want to, or I, I just want to do this. I think I always just like, you know, the one thing that happened there that never happened in Toronto was working with Paul. Like we used to really love doing stuff together. Mm. And you did in Toronto? Not in Toronto mm. at all. It was weird. Well, he that? was in a troupe. Oh, so you guys I, had your own like, I'm going to, I'm not going to be Yoko and join the troupe. Right. And they wanted him to be in second city, but he was doing his troops. So right. it was kind of like, you know, didn't really make sense. And he was always intimidated by improvising, which was hilarious because he's the best so improviser. Funny. Yeah. And, um, so we started doing that more here. So mm-hmm. I found that that was more and always has been my goal is never, it's like Paul and I always laugh because we, we really just like having fun yeah we don't like stressing out we like friends we like living a nice life yeah 
We're like taking trips and having dinners. Great. Yes. So it's never, and we have the, we've, the one thing I can really, um, I've had an incredible gift given to me. And that's to be in a world of people who literally own the world, like A-list movie stars, to be friends with these people Mm -hmm. and be with them and live it. Right. Live what that world is. You know, to go on a jet to to have a police motorcade to the um, Super Bowl. No kidding. You know, and be like... It's it's not that isn't what happy. Oh, is. so you saw like what the end what goal the, was? Yes, and to be like, there. I don't really to, need to have that, that gift yeah. of like you know. Yeah, it's like because some people sit on the outside going, right. "Oh, I want to see what you that's think like." What it is, and then you realize, you know, at the, at the end of the day. And the nice thing about getting older, and especially when I crossed over the fifty mark, is you really. Um, get clarity mm-hmm. and the clarity is it's always what do you like to do what right. makes you happy what gives you joy so my career has always followed the rule of I would work for career like career opportunity love it's just great to do it yeah um, uh, what love love money or career advancement that's it. That's also something that Jonathan Torrance t- talks to me about from Jonavision. Really? Yeah. Maybe I taught him that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I taught him that. Back we had a long discussion mm-hmm. about that. So it has to serve I love those him. things. I know. He's mm-hmm. the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has to serve yeah. those things is mm-hmm. what you're saying. Yeah. It doesn't have to have all and three. And did that change? Mm-hmm. Like when you were first in Second City or did you always have the vision of that no. kind of... No, I learned that. Because when I was young, I, I didn't know what I wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when I was very young, I wanted to be um, a movie star and live in the hills of California. I'd ne- I didn't know what California was. I'd never been there. Right. But, um, you know, that child, you know, you want to be a firefighter. You want to be a movie right. star. So, yeah, sure. You know. But, I mean, the, I think the idea of success and fame and mm-hmm. quote-unquote making it mm-hmm. changes, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... How did it change for you? Like, what was your idea of making it when you first started to how it is now? Well, the thing, the thing, um, the offstage ego of it is you want the, the idea of being famous. So what does that mean? Does that Mm -hmm. mean you walk into a restaurant and they seat you right away? Right. That you're, you have your photo taken on the street. What does it mean? You get upgraded on a plane. You know, it means different. You know, there's some very positive things to the fame game, but yeah. mostly it's getting a table in a restaurant. Right. Right. Really. Yeah. Yeah. It, otherwise, it's very it's very hard right. for people that are that I you know. Obviously, I don't know. I've never been famous ever. So I don't. You've I had don't. a claim, though. Like you've had people. A claim. Like, oh, well, that's the thing. A claim. Right. Respect of your peers. Um, being in a community where you your friends are know what you do and support it. Yeah. And you like what they do, and that's what I like. I like being part of a community. Yeah. Yeah. And the community has always been the thing that gives me the joy. Yeah. It's you know, Paul and I did. Uh, our a show together, just the two of us, for the first time ever 
Live? And we've only done it once. Right. Live. Yeah. After all, I mean, we would always perform together, but we'd do like a sketch in someone's yeah. show. You know, we'd perform together for years at Largo, and we would do... Um, you know, sketches, and then we do, you know, we worked on um, Chelsea Handler's show mm-hmm, together. Mm-hmm. Like, we do stuff together, but we've never done a Jack and Paul on stage all night mm-hmm. doing stuff and improvising and doing solo bits and together bits. And, and how is so that? so fun. Yeah. It was so much fun. Uh, and you only did it once. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Is that always the intention? No. Mm-mm. Or were you like, this was so good, let's never do it again, <laughs> so we never ruin this moment? We were like... We need to do this. This needs so. The, I think that's kind of the goal now. Is yeah, because you're doing. Um, I see your clips. Is it Netflix? So you're Jackie and Paul. Yeah, we clips? do. Like we've, you know, we like. You know, we're not the. Uh, we're what's the word? Lazy, lazy, no. lazy. Our I French. think it's pronounced lazy. <laughs> I think it's the same in English and in mm-hmm. French. Yeah. You know we. Um, we say we joke. I mean, we really we're kindred spirits, and we we really just enjoy sitting around and hanging out. And somebody says to us, and that's what it takes. It takes drive. It takes the person to be the person that says. And this is why I I I quit my agency when I, my son was in like going into middle school, and he was a I was living in the valley and he was at school there and I get a call and say you know you need to be in Santa Monica at 5 o'clock go yeah. right now and I'd be like oh but I gotta he's gonna I have to get him yeah and then and then you'd call me up and say hey do you wanna go do you wanna I'm gonna be in the valley why don't we go for a hike and then we'll go to Jones and I'd be oh that sounds great right, right, and right. then i get a call and they go do you need you know go maybe maybe get this job all the way over and do you need to drive to Downey and I'd be like oh but Naomi Right, and I go to Jones. I have my pants up. Uh-huh. I can't. That doesn't make somebody a successful actor, right? Right. But it makes them really happy, right? And it's a sign too, right? Like it's, it's like, when you see like the emails in, and yeah. if you're not going to the agent's no, emails first, it makes first, your ass like, bleed. You're like, oh fuck, shit. Oh jeez, I yeah. should. Yeah. And then, when did that happen for you? When did that turn happen? Well, that really happened when I had a kid. Yeah. Because it was like, when you have a kid um, and you have to entrust, well, it's complicated. It's because you know how it is. As an actor, you could be sitting here right now and you get a text and they're like, oh, that audition you had two weeks ago, you have a call back for at six o'clock. Right. So right now you'd have to be like, oh, I got to, but, but what if you were leaving me and you knew you were going home at four o'clock and you had a babysitter that right. had to be relieved? Yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember sitting, going out, I had, I went to, I had an audition for, to be, um, um, on K- Leah Remini's part on like King of Queen. What was it called? Yeah, King of Queen. Right? Sitting, yeah, yeah. Some kind of show. I remember Jenner when I didn't drive. <laughs> I didn't drive. You didn't drive? Uh uh-uh. uh. No, I didn't drive. I oh was scared God. of driving. Right. Yeah. You know, so you don't have to drive in Montreal <laughs> no. or yeah. Toronto. She drove me oh my God. to my audition and sat with the baby and we laughed. We sat in the car and then it came out and I was sobbing and I said, I can't do this. Yeah. I just don't care. Yeah. yeah. And it's weird because I've been here so long that I've seen my peers go on, get the jobs, have a full cycle, get Emmys, go to awards. And now I went to an audition 
two weeks ago with one of those people, and I was like, but "What? I, you're why are you here? right? Yeah, it's a weird business. It's a weird business. So I think you just kind of have to decide what you want. Like, does what really? And for me, being in this house with my kid walking to school, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's quality of life, pool. right? Yeah. No, you know? it's pretty great. It's like, well, that's pretty nice. Yeah. You know? I don't know. And do you have any, like, inkling? Because I, I, I struggle with that because I yeah. have um, yes. my... Uh, I was brought up by a workaholic, so mm-hmm, I have, mm-hmm. like, that intensity mm-hmm. of, like, yeah. this work. Mm-hmm. But I do recognize when I find myself at our cabin in mm-hmm. Canada, like, mm-hmm. oh, man, I don't need to be anywhere right, else. Right, But I do recognize that ability of just, like, I just want to be in one place. I mm-hmm. like the idea of hanging out. And then there's part of me that goes, yeah, I... I, I I want, mm-hmm. I want like, like what you're talking about. The community mm-hmm. is so important to me. Yeah. And that's the only, not the only way I know how to bring community together, but it's my favorite way. Mm-hmm. When you do a show and there's an audience and we're right. all doing this together, right. it's the best. Yeah. Or like when you, you and I are going to write something and then we're going to pull these friends in, we're going to shoot it. Yeah. That's the most fun in the world it's to the me. the most fun. So when we just you can make money doing that. It's even amazing. better. Right. You know, listen, I, um, now that my son's a junior, which means he's got a senior year next year, that's why this sort of organically amping up to, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky because Paul, um, and I am very similar with, with our desire and what we like and what we hate. I mean, we always say that the, a true happy relationship is not, it's very easy to like the same things. Right. It's very easy to go, I love walking on right. beaches. Me too. Yeah. But if two people can say, I hate fucking beaches. They make me sick. I hate the sand between my toes. I don't like it. I hate the feeling of sunblock. Right. Well, those people, you know, we both, bless his heart, we're both really don't, we really do not care for the music of Bruce Springsteen. Right. <laughs> right. We do not care right. at all. That's a nice thing to we agree on. We appreciate his work ethic. Sure. We, we actually went to see him for the I first appreciate time. your work ethic. But we did. <laughs> and we went, oh, Oh, we're we're doing this. We're at a Bruce Springsteen show, sure. And it's it's okay. This and we all went with a group of friends. It was really fun on the subway, and we're like, well, there is no subway now because uh, Mr. Bruce Springsteen's still playing. Oh, and we got it. Like I, it was so. I really did appreciate just the vibe of it. Sure, How people were so into it, and I'm so glad I did it. I don't ever need to do it again. Right, 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 right. But. It was like, it was, it was, that's, that says something about the kind of person you are. So I think now that Dominic's going to be, he's literally going to be not living in this house in a year and a bit. And how's that sitting with you? Well, um, I'm excited. Like I'm excited for him. I'm excited for us because that, then that will be. I can go yeah. at six o'clock to Santa Monica. Yeah, but I prefer not. Probably to. not go. <laughs> <laughs> so then, this like birth of like the Jackie Paul show right. stuff is this, happening. This too. us doing stuff more together yeah. is really like we really really enjoyed the process, and we didn't know if we would. Yeah. Did you always work well together? We always worked well, but it's very easy to work well on uh, on our level of like what are they? Oh, we're doing that show in a month. Oh, we're right. doing that show in a week. Oh yeah. God, we got that show tomorrow. Oh fuck. What what are we going to do? Yeah. That's how we work. Oh, fuck. What are we going to do? It's tomorrow night. Right. Uh, why don't we do our eighties band? Okay. Why don't we do this? 
Let's do the magician head head injury magician. Okay, let's do that. You know. And do you uh, get, does that not cause you stress? To no, because it's a sketch. Right. And we have such, you know, the one thing is the, the, the calm feeling of knowing that we really like working together mm-hmm. gives us that, that confidence that there's nothing close to it. Right. That we know if nothing else, we're going to have a great time. Right. If yeah. you have nothing else, even if it flops, it will still be awesome because it will be Cinderella on Broadway. You know, it'll be, right. like, it'll flop in such a That's nightmare a great... way yeah. that it will be epic and we will enjoy it. And you'll have laughs. Regardless. And we'll have laughs. Yeah. But to, but we didn't know because you can't do that first show. Yeah. yeah. When, when we first, first moved here, there was a second city alumni night that used to happen a lot at, um, one of the comedy clubs on Sunset that I'm blanking the one with all the names written on it, the Gray Building. Hmm. And Nia that? used to, because, yeah. Uh, not, no, not the store? Comedy. There's Last two. Factory? Is Maybe that a comedian? I can't remember. Anyway, doesn't matter. But, um, I didn't drive, so Nia would right. live here, so she'd pick me up. There's Second City people that saved our life, like Linda Cash picked right. us up at the airport right. with our cat. And we stayed in her friend's sublet for, house for two weeks. And, like, we, they picked us up, and we went to Ralph's and got a kitty litter box. Right. Like these incredible memories. Of people saving your life. Of people saving totally your life. I get that. Like, Linda, always, like, I think of her Love every, her. and I still reach out every September 1st. Yeah. Because we moved here September 1st of 96. And September 3rd of 96 was our one-year wedding anniversary. Oh, wow. And we didn't have a car, and we were living in Venice, across from Murder Mart, where there was literally someone murdered there that oh, week. It was God. pretty rough back then. Oh, my God. And Did we, you have any doubts, though, when you got here, where you're like, we got to go back? We just never thought about it. Yeah. We never had that. It was We were never the, the try-it-outs. No. We never no, had you had that. both feet in. And we've had so many people that have come and gone that... Do that. Yeah. I'm going to give it five years. I'm going to give it this much time. If I have, we had a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and, and people would come and they'd go hard. Like they'd over, they'd overextend themselves. Yeah. And we did that too. I mean, we came here, we had money. I mean, I was working. Right. I had RSPs. I was literally working. We did, I was thinking about it last night. I was working for three years. That's it. Right. I, bar- I went from bartending to being a working actor. You know, like doing great. Yeah. And then left. So when we moved here, I I had the money. That's why we chill out now. But it doesn't matter. Like the money is the money. How yeah. It gets there. Yeah. Well, you've been together long enough long to time. figure it out. Eighty nine. Yeah. yeah. Eighty nine. Yeah. So. So yeah, it was um it was a pretty um trippy time, but we just never thought about going back. But yeah. now that we're older, we think about it in a different way. Oh yeah. We think about it in kind of a. You know, what would we, well, we'd like to do our show. We'd like our, to do our yeah, stage That's show your more. sort of dream thing right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like, we'd like to take that to London. Yeah. You know? Like, like what to... Colin and Deb are doing with their right. couple shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, And um, is that something that you kind of go, you know, now that you have space in the house, too, that's something that you're Yeah, well, we just think on. now, you know, we, we call this house the cottage because mm-hmm. it feels to, to us like it's I a love cottage. It. Yeah. Um, I don't know why it just does. And It's got, like, older features. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, like it's the Hollywood Regency kind yeah. of thing. It's it feels like a, like like a cottage. Yeah. So we think, you know, this this is it. Yeah. I don't ever need. You got the lake in the back. We got the lake. <laughs> mm-hmm. We do have the lake. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I don't know. We, we think now like it would be nice to just have our place that we're parked yeah. and then go to London for three months. Yeah. Run. Go to New York for a couple of months. Yeah. Like just, that's more like what we Then how did like. you come to that peacefulness? Because <laughs> it seems like you're, you've kind of made peace with, you know, where you find your happiness and not needing to pursue well, acting. Like, did I you ever? just being around long enough. I think being yeah. around long enough to experience... Um, the really horrible times of like being in my forties and knowing, Oh, I'm not that girl that gets hired anymore. I'm past my hiring and I've got a kid and I have a ponytail and I'm wearing a juicy suit and I got Uggs on and I can't fucking go to Santa Monica and I don't want to. Right. And you know, going for auditions and going back and going back and testing and testing. And, you know, well, we're going to go your, we think we want to go your way or sassy and black. Right. That right. was my category. Right. Um, cause you're sassy and white. I'm, I'm yeah. Or, or I'm uptight and white. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, um, did you ever get really close to one of those? And yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I tested for, you know, community and yeah. tested for, you know, and I went to, uh, I had the world's phenomenally most horrific, um, SNL network no. when I was in, still in second city. That yeah. was phenomenal. Why was it that? Because they didn't make me go to the studio. They made me go to a stand up club. What? And you stand up. Yeah. Is that typical? No. And I didn't know how to do it. And I, and I felt so like intimidated and yeah. so freaked out. And I was in second city and at the time and they came and they were like, but they weren't like, you know, do those characters. They were just like, come, oh, there's wow. nobody talks to you. Right. They don't right, tell right. you what they want. They just want you to come and do your thing. But it wasn't like going the the normal audition for SNL when you yeah, test. Yeah, go into the studio. Have you, have you done no, that? No, I haven't. Yeah, but you I've go seen. In, you go on the stage in the studio, and they're sitting there, and you do your characters, and you don't really talk. You just yeah. kind of go. But then I had to go to a comedy club. That sounds like a nightmare with an audience. Like, and I mean, it's better because there's an audience because the studio yeah, it would doesn't be have better if, if so. The stand ups, like Laura Keitlinger yeah. got it because yeah. she's a stand up, yeah, she was comfortable and she's hilarious. Yeah. I worked with her on that music sketch show, she was really she right. wrote on it, was very funny. But, um, I went in and I was like, I don't know. And then Chris Farley <laughs> was there and he was my friend, right? Um, and used to come to Second City in Toronto all the time and he went up to producers and was like, you know, you can't do this to her. She's like me. We're Second City. We don't do this. We do... Tell the fuck off, Jackie. Let's do an improv. Let's do a thing. Oh. And had I been that girl in the movies yeah. that goes, you know, like, this is my time. I'm supposed to go out there and do that boring ballet routine, but I'm going to go wild. And, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And I just was like... <laughs> and he sat in the front row and he clapped his hands and he went, yeah, and he oh gave me God. the thing and smiled and I love that guy but um you had so many cheerleaders but I was really yeah really what great great, great, great cheerleaders people around really you great people yeah but um I, ne- I didn't get it and then I went back years later which probably wasn't that many years but it feels like years later and had a proper network right. thing that I also did not get but I didn't mind not getting this because I went and did my thing right. and didn't get the gig yeah and I went out to a bar with Zach Galifianakis, who was my friend from Largo, and he did that sketch show too. And we sat in the bar, and we're like, you know, you know, we didn't, you know, we were just had a good time. Yeah. And it was just, I got to erase the stain 
of sitting in a hotel room crying and yeah. feeling and doubting and not yeah. have, enjoying it. And this time I was like, I have an audition tomorrow. I don't care. Zach and I are going to go to the bar and have drinks. It was like so... Who taught and, you that level of, of um, I don't know, making peace with what the world you have? By seeing, by seeing other people get what you didn't get and not be happy in it right. either. You know, there's just that, that thing of like seeing... What does it matter? You know, right. what does it matter if you, it's just a job, right? It's just a job. But, but like at some point it wasn't just a job for you. No, when I was young, it was like, no, it's Gilda Radner's path. I'm following her path. Right. Right. I'm in second city. I'm a dark haired comedian. I do very broad, characters. broad characters. Yeah. Um, clearly we're soul sisters right. and now I'm going to go and get SNL because that's the next step I'm supposed to do I guess yeah oh, and, then, and then it's like oh it's not and that really shook me yeah but it also how did you recover from that because um, I think that happens in our careers where you're like but oh this you is have my... some you have some that are like they they shake they you. shake you yeah. and that shook me hard that how did you like... recover because I went back on stage the next night at Second City and you know, and yeah. went, oh, I guess it's okay. And it really, it didn't, I didn't really, wasn't truly able. Oh, and then the next year, less than a year later, I auditioned for the same casting people for the sketch show for VH1. Right. And, right. and my husband was, was also uh, working on the show as an actor, but he was also one of the uh, writer producers. And it's not the first time that I auditioned for Paul. That must have felt really weird. Right. It's not. I actually love auditioning for Paul. Yeah. Like, I love it. Like, I when I think, when I hear that he's going to be in the room, yeah. I'm like, oh, good. Is Paul going to be in the room? Right. Like, I, I like it because I know he is so beyond my champion. Right. You know, you talk about champions. That's, it's crazy. Yeah. So, that's always, you know... Uh, I had, so I auditioned with the same people and had like a great audition, right? And it was well, the same kind of characters then. and impressions, and yeah, because there's also this level like when you're doing improv as much as you do at Second City, where mm -hmm. you get like a confidence about mm -hmm. it, right? Mm -hmm. And then when somebody goes, "Oh, well, no, you shouldn't have that confidence." Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like when you, it rattles you because it sort of makes you go, "Well, what right. have I been believing all this time?" Yeah. Then you go, oh, well, maybe I'm not good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know. So, I mean, mm -hmm. isn't that, maybe that's a constant wave that has to be dealt I with. I think the reality is you're never as bad or you're never as good as you think <laughs> yeah. you are at any given time. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I did, I went through a series of doing really dramatic parts on TV shows. Yeah? Here? Or, yeah. Which ones? Like, um... What's a Cagney and Lacey woman? Judging Amy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Judging, <laughs> judging Amy. I, I love that. A, I played a woman who, uh, whose husband is raping our, our Russian adopted daughter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great. Great so, storyline. Yeah. But I was, I was, uh, but you know, you can't help but the comedian in you never really goes away. No, know? no. That's why I think comedians love doing high drama. I agree. You yes, know? yes. They love it. Because there's so much yeah. to well, do. What? It's so pathetic. Every time a comedian makes it, the next step is they want to do a drama. I know. You know, same way dramatic don't actors you love, love doing comedy. Yeah, but I mean, dramatic, dramatic actors going to comedy, oh, not as no. easy. No, no. But I love, don't you love when yeah, you Yeah, I do, I do. I love being standing outside with, you know, <laughs> Time Daily and I'm sleeve acting. 
acting. You know, sleeve acting. Oh no! When you're yeah, Ooh, sleeve acting. Sleeve acting is really good um, as a character. <laughs> when you're in a situation that's very dramatic, like your husband's being taken to jail for raping your adopted Russian daughter, you sleeve act. You pull your sleeves really long oh. and you pull on them. Okay, I've got to use You pull on the sleeves and you hold them like they're long and you clutch them because that's what one does when one's afraid when their husband's going to jail. Okay, gosh, you should be doing... i got a long tip. That could be a Jackie and Paul episode. It is. It is. (laughs) It's an actress. We're actually doing that. I saw that one. We want to do uh, hand acting. What to do with your hands when you're acting. We've been talking... A friend of ours is David Pamer. He was nominated for Academy Award. Very good actor and director. He's going to do what to do with your hands. I love it. Because I love all those. I think they're so that's funny. Really, you just, you never really, that that's a nightmare. Yeah, when you see people like. What do you do with your hands? And what, how are your auditions now? Are you. Rare. Do you care? Do you go and like. <clears throat> no, they're rare now because I, um. <laughs> I, well, luckily, I know enough people that sometimes I just get a job. That's great. Mm-hmm. And my husband's a producer. That doesn't hurt. Like yeah. I did his show with Jack and Joey McIntyre. But, um, that was fun. You didn't have to audition because it, you know, hashtag it's not rigged if it's your husband. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's <laughs> you sleeping with the casting, right. sleeping but, with the producer, mm-hmm. but for how many years? Yeah, I mean, it's paid off. But, is and and I did go on the show he's working on, but I had to audition, but he wasn't in the room. And I didn't get the part that I auditioned for, but then they gave me another couple of parts. But then I was on set and I'm an improviser, right? And then they were so nice, they just kept using me, right? I was like, oh, can you do this? Can you do this? Yeah. Really is that fun. your favorite thing now? Like, can you imagine being like, you know what? On a show I don't. Honestly, I swear to fucking god, I'm. I think because I'm old, I can't. It's so hard to learn lines now. Oh, lines! No, it's yeah. really hard. Well, it's and a I, muscle too, right? It is a muscle, like, and I think if I knew a girl who was on a soap, and she would, she'd be hanging with you, and then at nine o'clock she go, "I gotta go." And she would learn like pages, 20, twenty pages, yeah, straight. Of like, okay, 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 I okay, also okay, think okay. some people have the the mm-hmm. gene of that. I don't have it. It takes okay, I think forever. My son would be able to learn lines because yeah. he's a great memory. Right. Then you do a show with like kids on set, and mm-hmm. they're like on the phone, or they're mm-hmm. doing, or they're sleeping, and then they're like, "Okay, we're ready for you," and they're like there with their lines. I know. And meanwhile, I'm like pacing you know, like, with my lines. There, and... Is it just because they have young brains? Maybe. Maybe the first time when in my dark days my dark days of juicy suits and ponytails right. that was in like the like in the the early 2010s right I worked a lot when he was a baby because there was something so split about me that I'd go for an audition and I would kind of phone it in right because you go, had this baby and I'd always get the I'd get the part because it it's was because like didn't I didn't care any, I didn't care yeah because you had this I baby I got to the point where you, where, you know you just get bad I think you get bad Right. I think when you're young and ignorant and brave and ballsy, you kind of do that thing. You do the Chris Farley thing of like, I don't care what you want me to do. I'm doing this. Bravo. Yeah. Then you're like, you do that and they don't want it. And you do that enough times where you second guess it and then you think you're bad and then you are bad. Yeah. You know? That's the sad part for me is mm-hmm. losing that bravery. Yes. Like I'm sad about yes. uh-huh. the idea of like, like the Chris Farley thing of going mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I'm just going to do this whole scene. Like, I remember the first thing I ever booked, she was in a mental institute. I'm like, I'm just going to bring in a sock puppet mm-hmm. and do half the lines with my sock puppet. Mm-hmm. And I remember my boyfriend at the time was like, don't do Please it. Please tell me it's a drama, though. It was a drama. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was 
<laughs> anyway, I went and I talked to my ex and I'm like, I think I'm going to do it with this sock puppet. And he was like, don't do it. Mm-hmm. They don't want to see that. Don't do it. And I was like, I think I'm going to do it. And they were, they loved it. They were like, bring the sock puppet, bring the sock when you come to set. And like, I'm like, it's just a sock. It's just not an athletic sock, but it was like that kind wow. of ballsiness right. that somewhere along the uh-huh. line, I kind of thought there's a way of like, I don't know. Some things made me go, don't be ballsy. Just be what they want or be safe. Right. And, and but that's mm-hmm. kind of not our instincts as improvisers. Yeah. That happened to me. It was like, I, I, I started to not work and then I'd be like, I'm just going to do what, what I think they want. And then it really didn't work. Like right. you really lose, you, you get, you become, um, fearful. Like you yeah. don't, you lose the fun. And it's the worst. You, you lose don't enjoy the fun. It. This is supposed to be fun. Right. So, so yeah. how did you deal with like envy, like professional envy of people oh, doing what you wanted to somebody, do? Somebody, I remember and feeling that you would feel yeah. that way. But you that's know? natural. Because people would come. And also when you're here from Canada, you're like the, um, you're like the ambassador because it's like, um, and when you come from second city, all, everybody at some point says, I'm going to go check it out. Yeah. And they come down and then they sometimes stay and sometimes they don't or they stay and they get married or they do something else or they end up, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, um, but inevitably somebody comes down and they get that beginner luck stuff and you're like, and then somebody, who was it taught me the expression, um, somebody else's success is not your failure. No. Yeah. I believe that. But I didn't know that before. Oh, right. I used to feel because, and another, the flip side of second city is Toronto is a very small town. Yeah. It's a very small town. So when the show would come to town, when it would be like, you know, a movie's coming to town, everybody you knew, including yourself, would be auditioning for it. And in second city days, that was its own category. You were the second city blonde, right. second city brunette, or, you know, it was the categories. So you'd be, you know, I mean, I used to be second city brunettes yeah. for everything I went up for. And it was always the same people. It was me and Alana Shields and Wendy Hopkins and a Kathy and I, a lot of times, mm-hmm. Kathy and I would buy drinks for each other. We'd be like, I got the part. Okay. Drinks and, are you new. Know, but we had a, a, but we were different enough that we didn't feel, yeah. you know, um, but there was always that, that was, that was the beauty of coming to LA is you didn't have that feeling because if you went and auditioned for a TV show, that was like a game. Every, every audition here can be a game changer. You know, every audition can be, um, you know, um, a breakout role. Yeah. I feel like, you know, every day in Los Angeles can be the best and the worst day. It can. And, and, you know, I know people who've gotten a gig and it's, been the gig. Yeah. It's been the game changer. Yeah. yeah. I know friends who, you know, who are equal footing and both got exactly the same kind of, you know, shows are the same. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'd be like, I had two friends who, um, both were playing characters that had, had grandchildren and they both were like, this is fucking crazy that I'm playing a grandmother, right. but it's funny, but it's like, I'm not that happy about it, you know? <laughs> right. And they both had pilots and they were friends. And then one show got picked up and became mom. And that was Alice and Jenny. Right. And the other ones didn't get picked up. 
Yeah. But those are two people who are both like, oh, God, isn't this crazy that we're... Playing grandmas. You know? Yeah. It's like, but here, the, so you'd have, you'd have a shit audition here for something huge and it, w- and you wouldn't get it. Yeah. You know, you'd go in for Glee and Jane Lynch would get it right. or something. And that's a game changer. Totally. And you wouldn't get it. I didn't audition for Jane Lynch's part, but that's a, that's a good No, example. but there's game changers for sure. But there's game changers. Yeah. Wendy McClendon Covey. You know, there's like people that I, you know, you do stuff with. And so you thinking like along the lines of that's not my failure. That's that like, your... that's a gig I missed. But in LA, there's going to be another gig tomorrow. Right. And the day after. Right, right, And the right. day after. The gigs just keep coming. So they might not come patience. for you, but you don't know. Right. You know, Janine Garofalo always said 10 years. Yeah. And they were like, oh, and then 10 years <laughs> went by and we're like, oh, I guess she was wrong. But then anybody from outside perspective would be like, look then at you. It's, look yeah. at your life. You I know. And then you're like, well, the fact that you're still here and that you still work and that you still, you know, you're still married, married, like you're still happy. Shows. Yeah. Like yeah, there's, I know. it's, it's sort of going back to the idea it of is. how do we gauge and our also, success. And also what, what do you really love doing? Like, how do you, yeah. and then the thing, the career money, you know, career advancement, love or money. Right. Yeah. Um, but in Toronto, it used to feel, and they would, that was the world that was created there too. Yeah. It would be like this, this movie is coming to Toronto and it's a comedy and you know, um, when, when Farley and Spade came all those years ago and yeah. did Tommy Boy, it was like, here's four parts. And everybody would be like, you know, yeah. or the kids in the hall movie. Yeah. It's like when a movie that was comedy, you, you knew if you got a part in this movie, uh, you, could, you could go to the States, eh? Right. This might get you to the States, eh? Or if you didn't get that then then you weren't going to you weren't going to have a job right. and then you'd have to wait for the next big gig it was that panic feeling of this yeah. is the last gig and as you said then there's some people that do they got one of those parts they right. did go to the states eh and yeah. then they're not really happy right and then what yeah. right so that's like the balance of our life it's really it's really about finding a, a place that you 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 and i you know when people say that they want to um, to be an actor i go why that's yeah. what I always say. Why? Yeah. Oh, I really love it. Oh, what do you love what? about it? Yeah. I love, you know, I love not being myself. I love playing somebody else. Yeah. I love putting on a different hat and becoming somebody else. Great. How do you, what is it you like about that? I like getting on the stage. I like performing for people. I like doing a film. I like being okay. Amazing. I want to be an actor. Why? Well, I want to be famous. Well, right. you're not going to find joy in that. Right. You're not. Were you, you know? the, Were you the first person? Like originally? always. I was always. I want to be. I. I like it. Yeah. It was the first time that I felt like. That's when I really like just doing that uh, Brian Reagan sh- uh, show last. I did that two weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, and it's. It's sketch show, and it's like I love sketch. Love it. I, I love, love it. it. Mm-hmm. I love how in one scene you're doing this, and then the next scene you're doing that, and it's always loose, and it's always just about what's funny. Yeah, and putting it on its feet and going, "Oh, what if you did the thing?" Yeah, and, and surprising the audience. Right. Like you thought you were in for this kind of right. show. Now we're tap dancing and surprising the. 
person you're working yeah. with. Yeah. You know, cause you know, we're you're so lucky, to, you know, and it's always like, we'll do it the way it is, you know? Yeah. Well, I love salad. Me too. Ha ha ha. And then it's, you know, and then you do it again right. and that time you really connect and you have fun and, and then salad means something else and who knows? sexual. And then that's always hilarious. <laughs> oh, so funny. You know? So I mean, yeah. So do you have something like knowing what you know now and Mm -hmm. your life that you've lived in Los Angeles, would there be something you would have told yourself early on? Yeah, I would, I would love to bypass the fear. Yeah. I think, I think that the, the, when we started talking about ego on stage ego and off stage ego. Yeah, to have the, so the on-stage ego at all times uh, in, in a work situation. So mm-hmm. when that feeling, you know, I mean, I used to know that I was really good for this thing. So I would go in knowing it. Yeah, confident. Feeling it. Yeah. Not being douchey, just being like comfortable. Yeah. You know, the way I would at, yeah, at, you don't on stage at Second it. City. The way you'd step on stage and you'd stand there and you'd bide your time and then somebody would come out and say something that you went, huh, that's neat. And that true, the true, when you're really on your game with improvising, where you're not thinking at all, there's no thought because that's a comedy killer, right? An improv killer. Yeah. But the minute somebody would say something, you go, huh, and you walk right into it and you're like, and you're in it. You're riding and you're flying and you're doing it. Um... When I was in that, and now I know it was a very short time in Canada. When I was in that zone, I would go into a room and I would know without any like, hi, I'm Jackie. Just like going in, going hi and doing it. I never didn't get the job because it was just my zone. Yeah. You know, yeah, I hate then, that that we lose that. You lose that. I hate it so much because I know exactly what you're talking right. about. I think somewhere along the line, I saw like a photo of me uh-huh. taken on stage in right. an improv set, and I'm like, right. and you're like getting a great laugh from the right, audience, right? But I was like mortified that I had that many chins. Yeah, and it makes you sort of self-aware. Oh, yeah. Yes, or like reading a review that says. Naomi Sneakus walked this certain way. I'm like, how do I walk? What do you mean? You're, are you, you watching mean? how I'm walking? Whereas you don't think yeah. about it normally. So there is, yeah. that's such a, that's such a great mind burst for me to yeah. think about like the ego off and on stage and how to join those two. And I don't think it's easy, but. Well, I think that's why people start drinking. Because I think the city can do a number on that whole thing, you know? And everybody's sort of, as, as they say, no, don't worry about other, what other people think of you because everybody's thinking about what other people yes. think of them. Yes, and that's, that's a thing. Yeah. No one's thinking about you. No. Mm-mm. No one's thinking about you. No. And but it's um, still like, I think the thing that happens is like the disconnect of going, like that, that joy. I love improv. I love comedy mm-hmm. so much. Like mm-hmm. it's a part of my family. Yeah, it's yeah, part of my yeah. makeup. Mm-hmm. And I want to do it all day, every day, mm-hmm. as much as I can. So that, that want is so strong that it makes me nervous to do auditions. It makes me right self-examine too much and like all those things. Because I just want to do it. You know, we used to do it for fun. I know. Like we used to, we, we used to, back in the, and when we first moved here and we were part of a, a it was a very special time. It was a very, like you could write a coffee table book about it. It was a very, very special Like when time. you got here originally? Yeah. What it was, it, it was, um, it was a time. It was a time captured oh. of, um, 
music meets comedy meets friendship. We would, we had a group, we would, it started because, um, John Bryan, who's a musician, mm-hmm. was dating Marilyn Ricecup, who's a comedian, and we all used to perform at Largo together. There was the Monday night comedy and the Friday night music, and in between there, there was comedy music. Right. And every Sunday, we would go to their house in the hills, and it started with, like, a little potluck. Mm-hmm. And Paul would make the main course, and then we'd do things, and, and uh, PFT or Paul F. Tompkins would buy the 25-cent hamburgers at McDonald's and bring a giant bag. and Great. We were all part of a musical at the time that was really phenomenal called uh, White Trash Wins Lotto. That was amazing. That had, you know, it was Patton Oswalt and um, Rita Dalbert, who now does Lucha Vavoom, mm-hmm. and, and um, um, uh, Andy Preboy. And it was just like Did a Did you really... know that you were part of something exciting? Or just in No, we, we knew. Yeah. We knew that this was special. Like, we'd sit there and we'd say it. We'd talk about it. And we'd be musicians. We'd be like, Colin Hay and uh, Amy Mann and and we would you know people would come into it and then there were like comedian like Elliot Smith and uh, Mitch Hedberg who's not with us anymore and Eric Tunney and you know these, oh we'd, God. And we'd go and we'd have these dinners and then we'd sit in a room and you know there was no internet or YouTube right. or phones it's even just we didn't even have phones bits it's just bits it's just us mm-hmm. you know you'd be doing a song you'd be I'd be writing a song with Elliot Smith and we'd perform it or you'd do a comedy sketch and somebody would play a dying child and Paul Greenberg's song you know it was just such a special time yeah so at this point Paul comes home and I I thought oh should I stop recording because it becomes like a different kind of interview but then I was like no why he's so funny I'm gonna like have comedy gold at my fingertips why would I ever stop that so Paul jumped into the conversation hello Hello. Naomi how are you I don't think we've actually met what how um maybe I can bring you Paul into this part of the discussion about um because then I can have it on record of inspiring books or podcasts or TV shows that you guys are watching. He doesn't read. I don't read either. He doesn't know how. I don't know how to read. You know what? Can oh, I, I tell can you no joke? Paul. I he, don't know if I think I've forgotten how to read because no, I just read the same chapter how. three times. He doesn't. He can't read. I never knew He can't how read, read books. It takes him like four years to read a book. And, and he reads. He lightning reads for work because he reads so many scripts. Right. right. But he can't. Read a book. He can't read no. a book. So you're not inspired so by books. What about enjoys I am. I love books. No, he's, no he does. Oh, but it takes me a year and a half to get through one chapter. So what's yeah. the last what book you read? You read a really good one that you read the whole thing of. It's about the movie business. Yeah, it's a it's a book no one knows. <laughs> okay, what about you, Jackie? You Can reading anything? It is. It's called City of Nets. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. <laughs> she hasn't heard of it. It's about City of Nets, and it's it's the quintessential book on Hollywood. Oh, written in the eighties. But it only takes place from 1940 to 1950. It's only about that period of Hollywood, which was the Golden Age. So it's only about that. Mm-hmm. And it's written in an essay form, not as a story. This guy, so he has oh. opinions as uh-huh. he writes it. I mean, and it's brilliant. Did you feel like you were working? It was like taking your work home? Thank you. I like Hollywood stories. Mm-hmm. 
if I read a story that's not true, then I feel like I'm like, that's like a nightmare to me. Interesting. If it's not true, if it's a made up story, mm-hmm. I can't do it. Okay. I'm like, oh. So how do you get through all the scripts? You mean this reading? didn't happen? Why am I reading something that didn't really happen? Well, scripture, that's just, that's worth Yeah, like, I, I agree with you on that. I do like a good like documentary or... Mm-hmm. I do too. Because then it's like killing yeah. two birds with one stone, right? I'm being educated. Well, I'm and... always forced to make up things. Ugh. That's, it's like, a, it's like homework. Yeah. So for me to read something else that's been made up, it's hard. Right. I don't like it. Right. I don't like it. I like, uh, this is just okay. Right. Even if it's great. You like nonfiction. I love. You've always liked nonfiction. I love things and you that used are to real. Like, yeah, biographies and biographies. I do. I love. Oh my god, that really happened. Yeah, and it's right, here, in right town. here. I do love that. I love that. Yeah, we once went on our friend's birthday van ride. <laughs> what a birthday van ride. van ride! Birthday van ride of all the uh, the um, Manson. Oh wow! Happy birthday! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was amazing. Yeah. They give you a piece of her fireplace at the end of the ride. Mm-hmm. Seriously, Sharon mm-hmm. Tate's fireplace. Yeah, we they, got rid of they it. They tore the house down, and the guy went in and scooped up all the pieces of the fireplace. That's so creepy. He puts them in a little bag and gives it to you. And the, my favorite part was when he passed around a replica of the fork that killed a bunch of people that <laughs> night. Remember that? Uh huh. The corning fork. He says, uh, "Surprise." That's exactly like the fork that they stuck into what's and then And then they touch the edges, touch the edges, and you touch the tines of the fork, and you go, oh, that's sharp. <laughs> yep, that's what killed them. And it just went around the bus mm-hmm. like this. Yep, that's a pretty sharp fork. But it's just a replica. Mm-hmm. He, he spent two years finding the exact company that made the fork. And he pulls over and shows you where the gun landed when they threw wow. it away. That's a passion. We go to the house where the Lobiancos were. Lobiancos were Lobianco. Lobianco. Mm-hmm. We stand at the bottom of the street, and you look mm-hmm. up. And you go, yep. Guess they were killed in there. Oh my god! And then you go, and then he plays the clip on a video, and it's the exact That's cops. So creepy. Cops are there. Yeah, it's the same shot, but plates there. Only in L.A. Dead bodies. Oh my god! It's very it's I do love Los Angeles for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That like historical. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'm walking in the same place that so and so did. And oh. I've never had theaters. As Canadians, we, this is mm-hmm. this no. was this was you know this is our mythology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of, you know. I'm growing up, up here. We, we've grown up here. We now. lived across like, the street from where Salminio was murdered. Mm-hmm. West Hollywood. In West Hollywood. Mm-hmm. We sh- we shot in the Ambassador Hotel. Yeah. We, we shot a series in the Ambassador Hotel. Oh my god. Which is VH not there anymore, show. as you know. There's a yeah. school there now. And I had psychic premonitions. Like oh, crazy. there's ghosts everywhere. Is really? Mm-hmm. But there's. Do you always ad- have those? Uh-huh, I yeah. We we got a private tour of the hotel, which was abandoned and enormous. The size it was the size of a resort. Right. Yeah. It's a big hotel was. Still. And uh, they, we had a guy, the girl took us through the kitchen, pointed on the floor at the X carved into the floor where Bobby Kennedy lay and died. Oh my god, god. that's where he was shot. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, yeah, took us there. then they handed us the fork no. <laughs> <laughs> and made us touch the times. <laughs> what about you, Jackie? Though, do you have any like Netflix that you're watching that you're binging? Uh, we, we're liking um, Killing Killing Eve. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, that's really good. All right, and of course, when caused the heart, eh? When calls the heart, that's about the Mountie. I haven't heard about that. Lovely. Do you find yourself drawn to watch Canadian shows? No. I don't know how you see them, but I do like something that, that, um, I'm loving. I just watched season one of Anne with an E. 
Oh yeah, I couldn't watch it. It was it hurt my heart. You know too what? Much. I started watching it and I hated it. I couldn't get past oh. it. I couldn't get past it. It upset me. I didn't like it. It bothered me. And then I watched it again. You loved it. And I loved it. Matt I think you was have like, to. Crying. You have to break away from. Is it like Liza with a Z? It's like Liza with a Z. I'm man with an E. Paul with a G. Mm-hmm. That does work. P to the G. Not yet, but I mean, <laughs> P to the G works. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. very rappy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you, you watch those Canadian? What's the other? Mm-hmm. Do you watch comedies? I don't. I do. He does. Yeah. I like TV. I like murder shows. Rape, rape, murder. I hate books. She'll watch anything where a child is murdered. Mm-hmm. If a child is That's murdered, go. if a child is murdered no, while, while the mother's being raped, it's better. I'm not kidding. She's like, come and try a show with me. Mm-hmm. Right. Broadchurch oh, and then two. Yeah, exactly. The ladies like because seeing children murdered. No, it's not about the children being murdered. It's about the investigation and mm-hmm. that yeah, so the great. investigation ah, about she's someone murdering. I know. She likes it. It's just I get that. We were at the um, we were at the Emmys. Yeah, and uh, you know, it was the break in between where everybody gets in the aisles. And they're all walking around. And uh, it's very packed in the aisle, and she comes face to face, literally touching. No, like he's holding me. Yeah. <laughs> he's holding my shoulders. They can't get by each other because it's too crowded, and I'm just watching it happen. And knowing that, I'm and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm not missing a minute of this. Yeah. <laughs> and he holds her by the shoulders like this, and kind of pulls picks her close a bit, picks her up like this. Excuse me. He's very large. He's huge. Mm-hmm. He's large. And I'm yeah. gonna really stick down. And, 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 and really good. And he and she goes, I'm sorry, or something, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm in your way. And he goes, Don't worry about it, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just went, No, I love you. <laughs> you didn't say it. Came that. out, it did. Yeah. I said, I love you. I love you. Well, how could I not? I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 that I, doesn't happen in Canada. No. I'm not going to get it. Drisalba cradling you in your arms. No. no. Paul McCartney. Is that like the. Then he looked at me and went, Is this your son? <laughs> <laughs> Is this your mother? Is this your child? <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. Are you? Or do you get uh, gobsmacked by celebrities? Other than no, only only if Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. I had my Paul McCartney experience. Uh, I don't think I, everybody can say that. Just so you know, no. when you say my, well, she like, had one years ago. Well, how, I was that, how, so is, how is it possible that two people upset. have separate ones? Right, right. with Paul McCartney. How gotcha. many people meet me really mad? Not a I had a, I had an actual hang with Paul McCartney. Oh my god! Yeah, doing Fat Actress in, a, in Burbank. With Kirstie Alley, but why was he there? Well, because I was I was waiting. I was in my gear. I was a Charlie's Angel, but it was a Canadian Angel. I had a fur Canadian hat on and things. And I was in a dressing room, and I kept hearing a Beatles EP, like the same four or five songs. Hey Jude, you kept again, hearing again. Hey Jude, hey Jude over and, over. and back in the USSR, and over and over, over like, and over. Someone's just playing this constantly. No, it sounded great. Boring. I right? walked into the hallway, <laughs> and I saw these big giant crew guys leaning against a door, weeping. <laughs> And I looked at them and I went, are you kidding me? And they're like, no. And I walked over and it was Paul McCartney rehearsing. Oh, my God. In the same studio for a gig he had. It was when he first started touring. This is... Yeah, it was before he was playing these songs. Yeah. You know, his wife had just died. He just remarried and he was doing a benefit. So then I went back in and was doing the the show with the Kirstie Alley. And I said... And everyone was like, oh, my God, it's Paul McCartney. She's like, oh, my God. I said... You know, you're Kirstie Alley. Like, you yeah. can totally go and talk to him and say, hey, I'm shooting here. Nice show. You know, just want to say hi. You sound great. And she's like, I can't. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. 
And then we she went outside. Over. No, and it was a closed. Was you know, we didn't see them because they were next door. But it was just there were two things going on: Fat Actress was filming, and Paul McCartney from the Beatles. Oh my god! And the Wings oh my god. was rehearsing, and it was closed. There was just there was no people. It was just a building in Burbank. And right? Ebony and Ivory, you forgot that. Oh, and Ebony and Ivory. And Michael Jackson awesome. rehearsing that? No. Oh, stop it! Oh my god! Great. Anything could happen at this time. Anything could happen. happen. Totally believable, and, right? So Michael Jackson was teaching over there. I'm like, okay. So like, then I go, so then we're outside and there's like six of us outside. And that was back in the days. There were a couple of tech guys smoking and just standing around because it's a day. And I've already called him and let him hear. I'm mad. He's mad because he's here in Paul McCartney. I want to come, I wanna come over there. You and can't I was like, come over you here. can't I'm come working. over here. I'm working. I'm just going to walk on set. Yeah. Said, it's not that you kind of a come. set. I'm we're not so on mad. I would he was really mad. He was like weeping. Then I didn't let me come. You got a package. I have to deliver it. I'm guesting. It's not my show. I yeah, she was too. She was like, it's not mm-hmm. cool. I'm Canadian. I got to follow the rules, yeah. eh? And how would I get? How would I get on to the lot anyway? There was no Uber. Excuse no. me, I'm just a little yeah. lady coming to the mustache. <laughs> Maybe I know someone. Well, but I said I'm a little lady. Very I'm confused. a little lady. I'm a small lady. So with I a go mustache. outside. I go outside. We're standing around, and all of a sudden, like four people walk out. From I'm next a midwife, door, and it's. <laughs> Midwife, oh, I have a baby. Did somebody call the midwife? Somebody call the midwife. I've come to deliver a baby, Paul. I have. So then um, he walks outside with like three band members, and they're standing there, and it's Paul McCartney, and he's as far as my TV set is to me. Yeah, let me check. And I'm like, and I'm like, okay, Paul McCartney. Now. I can't say anything to him because you don't do that. You don't just go talk to somebody. No. And all the people are like, oh, should you, we should say something. We should go. And Kirstie Alley is scared and runs back inside. So then I'm like, and I say to myself, because I'd already missed the opportunity to have a chit-chat with Milton Berle two days before he died because I didn't say hello. I'm still mad about that. I know. Like, what the fuck? It's just, it's just, it's Milton Burrow. Right by him. He looked like death. Yes, he, he looked like something. death. He was smoking. We could have said, like maybe got 10 minutes. you shouldn't smoke. You're very yellow. I'm so mad about we that. We didn't. So we, so I'm like, so I say to myself, yellow. it's a beetle. I'm not going to be a douche and walk over there. But if God shines his light down okay, and gives me a window to open up that says, this is the window, go, uh-huh. I will take it. I'm wearing a fur hat with a Canadian flag, leather pants, and a harness to be suspended from the ceiling. Kind of like a chastity belt. Yeah, that's pretty hot. How I met you on the the other Paul. Yeah, the chastity belt. That's true. The other Paul. And Mm. so I'm standing there, and and I don't really look at him. And all of a sudden, he's there, and he turns, and he looks at me, and he stops, and he stares at me, and he points at my hat, and he smiles and laughs. Well. So I beeline in. Yeah, I beeline in, and I'm like, "Hey!" He goes, "What are you doing over there? Oh, filming this thing." And oh, that sounds really good. And I went, "You guys sound good." He's like, "Oh yeah, (laughs) we're doing this. We're doing this thing for my wife's charity, and we're doing this thing." And I went, "Oh, that's so cool." I said, "You know, you guys could maybe think about doing this for a living." And he's like, "Oh," and he laughs, and then he says. um, uh, So um, then the guy says, "I'm so and so," and I say, "Oh, I'm Jackie." And I turned to shake his hand, and I said, and you are? And he started laughing. Oh, my God. Good night. He That's how you treat Paul McCartney. He's like, oh, 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 oh,
damned. Tom's nice to meet you. I said, you know what? Fucking seriously, you guys are really good. You yeah. should think about it. And he just, that was it. He was done. He was like, oh. You also, in your comedy career, don't need right. to achieve any of the jokes. No, no, I'm done. Yeah. I did that. I'm oh calling Tom. God. So then, so we chit chat. We have a nice thing. He's laughing. He's asking me questions about this and that. You know, it's a good solid five, six minutes. Yeah. Then I, because of the great ability of living in California and knowing very many people in, in that status, I say to myself, okay, I'm not his best friend. I'm going to leave now. Like, yeah, I know enough to fair. retreat. Yeah. So I fall out. I go, nice to meet you. Go back to your thing. Goodbye. And I go back and I'm talking to my people. And then he leaves. And then because he's Paul McCartney, he knows that this means something to people. He knows that. So he made a point. This is why I love him. He made a point with like those six, seven people standing outside to say goodbye out loud to everybody and look at them as he did it. So each of them could say, I had a moment with right. Paul McCartney. I talked to him. So he would, he'd go, all right, I'm going back in. Okay, goodbye. Yeah, it was nice meeting you. Goodbye. Goodbye. And you had that. And I thought, that's fucking cool. And then he walks back inside, and then he comes back outside and goes, Goodbye, Jackie. And I went, Yeah, yeah, bye, Tom. Off you go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like but inside, we're like, <laughs> Inside, I was sick. Yeah. It was great. And then, but then he hated me for oh, 10 years. I mean, that's going to last Ten years as long as it does. Did Ten you years. get a lock of his hair oh. or anything? Or we touched. I mean, some oh, did sort you really? of. You we touched, touched. Him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We touched. Just think about the men who have touched you. And then he goes and does the. What was it? Uh, yeah, I was working on the uh, Emmys. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris was the host. And uh, we thought it would be funny if Neil was like, let's do something before the commercial break that's kind of funny. Uh, like, do something. And I said, okay, I'll do something behind you while you throw the commercial. And that's all it was. So okay. I pretended to be a guy caught on camera, and then I shuffled off sideways. Yeah. Slowly. Yeah. Awkward guy. Right? Yeah. So, you know, we just thought, it'll, it's a joke. They're going to know I'm, you know, it's not real. So he's yeah. going, coming so up, we got second, so Yeah. So the second it happens, uh, went everybody, everybody, all the writers there are going, dude, you're blowing up online. This is crazy. <laughs> so I, I am. So I look, the first thing I find is check out this asshole. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's all. That's people, awesome. People think I was real. That's awesome. People think it was real. They uh, think I'm an idiot. But that, no. They you're think not you're Canadian. Yeah, right. I'm acting. That's so anyway, so Jimmy Kimmel oh calls, and I do it on his show oh the next God. night. He says, come do the thing behind me. So he does his opening monologue, and then I show up behind him, and right. I shuffle off stage. And it's the same night Paul McCartney's on the show. Oh, and I'm like, this can't be happening. How long ago that? Ten years apart. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, right? No, no, maybe less. I know the anger seven, has subsided a little bit. six or seven. No, it hasn't no, subsided. No, okay. he no, hates me. So I'm like, great. <laughs> now Paul McCartney's on the show, and I'm still not going to get to meet him. Mm-hmm. Like, I was already angry. Right, you're already deciding. I'm already angry. <laughs> and then... Uh, and no, one, no so, one's allowed to talk so to So no one... And they make this big speech. I do my bit. I go stand in the hall where you, you stand, and they make this big speech. Paul McCartney's coming up the stairs. Nobody look at him. Do not make eye contact. Stand against the wall and look at your shoes. Don't take pictures. Don't tell No pictures. No anything. And, so, and I'm like, I'm, I do what I'm told. So I stand there. Yeah. I stand at the side. And he comes running up, walking up the stairs. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's Paul McCartney. It's Paul McCartney. And he sees me. And he goes, hey. 
funny man, funny man, no. and comes over, look at right me. over to me, and goes, look at me, I'm you, look at me, oh. I'm you, I'm you, you should do that behind me while I play some music, and I'm like, I didn't talk, I couldn't speak, and then he goes, and then they go, Paul, you're on, I go, anyway, nice to meet you, bye, oh, shakes my hand, he had a whole thing with him, on the was, phone. And, and then you guys could get back great. together, and then I wasn't angry anymore, that's mm-hmm. nice, and then, yeah, so in a way, he, then he moved your marriage back in. and then solved it, and then he moved yes, back I in. want, I want mm-hmm. those years back, but, I, mean, I don't, I like those years, I don't <laughs> know, I was with Idris, <laughs> Yeah, the Idris years. That's pretty good. It's pretty great, right? That's a pretty great Paul McCartney Mm -hmm. story. Yeah, I don't have one to add to that. Yeah, I know. I really thought I'd never, because you know the Beatles were everything to me. I mean, they're 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 mostly everything to her, but they're more to me. No, they're more to him. Right, they're more to me. I I I like not Keith Richards. Yeah, she wants to meet Keith Richards. I I don't want to meet him. No, it'd be too too much. much. It'd be too much. I couldn't take it. I have a like lately. Again, since the 50 thing, um, because it's it's truly like a time. What did what did what's his face say to you yesterday? That guy, which I've never heard for a man. When I mean, Paul said, "Oh, he was he was oh, I have to call him back. Oh. He was cool. He was okay. um, had this meeting to you know with this producer guy, and he's older. He was 70, mm-hmm. and he asked me how old I was, <laughs> and I told him, you know, that I'm you know oh 50." Two or whatever, fifty-three, and he went. Uh, ah, you don't become a man until you're fifty. Yeah. That's and I told him I'm still waiting, but the but he was like, "That's to be that's, a man, not to be fifty. Yeah. Yes. Or he's like, or a woman. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But he yeah. was very uh, serious that yeah. uh, men aren't comfortable. But women, what I 50. find, what I find is men um, don't find true. Uh, confidence? confidence and peace until they're around fifty. Do you think it's the same for women? Absolutely, but what I what I found is um, when I turned fifty, I it was like all the doors had opened. It was like clarity, like I've never experienced, in the sense that, for example, I did I worked at the um, the school uh, charity uh, golf tournament the other day, volunteered with this woman, and there was this guy playing on the course, and our cart was blocking at the top of the hill. And he was an old man. He's he was all like, really, like, wealthy like, people. Really, he was like, you know, I don't know, 78, okay. Okay, let's very say. Very white. Right. So my cart's at the top of the hill. We're like where we've been all day. And he does his shot, and he comes up later. and goes, you know, when you're driving on the freeway and someone's got their car in front of you, you just can't help but look at it, and therefore you hit it. Well, your cart sitting up there made me not hit the shot right, and I hit my shot badly, and just did this whole thing. And and so I I just looked at him and I said, well, I hate to be behind behind you on the freeway. This is you know he just was such a dick. Mm-hmm. And in the old days, when you're 48, <laughs> you'd see an old man. You'd see a man who's an old man, right? And he's a man, so you wouldn't say anything. You would just go, <laughs> and then he'd leave, and I'd say, hey, what a fucking asshole that man was. That was really not very nice. Yeah. But when you're 50 plus, you say, hey, are you going for In-N-Out? They got free burgers. Why don't you have two? Right. 
Right. You know, you're like so you die of a heart attack. So you die of a heart attack. Right. Okay. Yeah. I was because, piecing that together. Because yeah, you, it's not you the clearest don't, joke. It's I mean, no. a really good like, joke. That's really lovely that you offered them. No. You're like offering them food. Have you four, five. The, yeah. Kill and yourself. Why don't you die? How about you die? Die a slow death on because, in that Because that doesn't matter anymore. Because yeah. old people aren't old people anymore. They're just older people. Right. So So at fifty for you, you have the same sort of confidence and, and, of like And everybody around all my girls, it's like uh, just you know, I'm doing a gonna do a podcast with my two girlfriends. One's a right everyone's a writer and comedian and everything's and um you know, we just find there's more, there's just many more venues for friendship. Yeah. It's not like when you're young and it's got to be all in and it's got to be, like now it's like the friend you like to have a lunch with yeah. or you go shopping with and you have your husband for this stuff and you have your Thanks. girlfriends for that stuff. And <laughs> not really. <laughs> I'm going to say goodbye and say thank right. you. I'm going to turn this off, but yeah. thank you so much. Thank you for coming in. The crash crash. Yeah, I appreciate the crash. You're the first man to be, to be on this it's podcast. To be what do you mean? Women. But you have a lady. I, I, don't know know I can sell you. He's a lady. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're listening. It's radio. Hi. My name is Cynthia. I'll say it doesn't... I'll just When she said, hey, Paul's home, they'll be like, hey, Cynthia. Right? Right? Get Matt to do the voiceover. Yeah. Give him some power. But yes. Thank you for your time. This has been really great. And that's Jackie Harris. Don't you love her? I know I always say that, but I really do fall in love with these these people that I get to interview each time. My heart just like bursts with with inspiration and energy for not only the fact that they they tell me these stories they share with me, but like what they've gone through and it's great. So go follow Jackie. She's fantastic. Uh, on Twitter, it's at Jackie Montreal, because that's where she was born. Go check out the Don't Say with Paul and Dave. Uh, it's Paul and Dave. Uh, that's the podcast she's producing with her husband, Paul Greenberg, and Dave Foley. Hey, while you're over there, follow Firecracker Department. Do the do the thing you're supposed to do when you're supporting another thing and we'll we'll shout back at you for sure share what you're creating this is my favorite thing is the community um that we've started they're sharing like art firecracker art department they're sharing books that they're loving they're sharing um web series that they're making and i just adore that let's share it share it share it and let's um empower each other to keep creating that's all i've got to say send me a little note firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com if you have any further comments and go check out our website because it's a wealth of knowledge there with departments like a comedy department uh, another department called Red Point an Ignite Department for all your books and movie needs uh, Sound Mind Department for mental health support, just a bunch of departments go check our website out and really just bathe, bathe in the firecracker department goodness Recently, we also started a thing called Hashtag Firecracker Adventures. How the Firecracker Adventures work is this. Let's say you're going to a movie. Let's say you're going to a concert. Let's say you're going to a show and you don't really feel like going alone. Put down the information in our Twitter, in our Instagram, on our Facebook, and Hashtag Firecracker Adventures... Tell people how to get tickets. Tell people where to go. Tell people a meeting point. And then wear something that's red. And when you get to the place, you can be like, hey, you're a firecracker. Let's sit together 
And now we're off our computers and we're building our community. It's the best. Um, send me a picture when you do. Maybe you're going to meet somebody that you're going to end up writing a movie with. What about that? Wouldn't that be the coolest? Hashtag Firecracker Adventures. Go on and check that out. Thank you so much to my Firecracker team. As I said at the beginning, you can't do this alone. Thank you so much to the folks that are putting this podcast actually together, like Monique and Marion and Anna Gustafson and Jen Pogue, who helped put all the bits and pieces in the right places. And a big welcome to the new Firecracker team in Los Angeles. I can't wait to see what we're going to do in this community. And I know we're going to just dream as big as we want to, because that group of women are unstoppable. Thank you so much for listening. Truly, really means a lot to me. Don't forget that the last Sunday of every month, we do a live Firecracker Spark Chat. And that's on Instagram and Facebook. And we talk about a question of the month with my friend Deanna Moffat, who's a coach and just a dynamo. So come and be part of that community as well. If you aren't near Toronto or Los Angeles, there's still a way for you to be part of this world. And I'd love you to. It just gets better. It gets better now that you're here. All right, everyone. I'm Naomi Sneakers. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Firecracker Department.